Dear Fathers, we come before you today. We just pray that you will help us to really focus on uh, this really important passage before us. That will be a reality check for us. That it will be something by which we will test our hearts and our minds at this present time. And we pray for all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. What really matters to you in life? Okay, what is really important to you in life? Now, if you were to have a blank piece of paper, and uh, actually Johnson, quite conveniently, left his notebook here. If you were to write down uh, the most important things in your life, what would they be? Okay, just think about that for a moment. Maybe the first three most important things in your life. Well, I'm not sure about you, but whenever I do one of these exercises and I write down the most important things to me, I always find myself wondering why I spend so much time on what is relatively unimportant and spending very little time on what is important. That I spend my time majoring on what is minor and minoring on what is major. So I spend a lot of my time on things which are minor, like food or TV or hobbies, and ignore things which I should really pay a lot of attention to, like uh, God, relationships and family. And by focusing on the minor things in life and, and I guess ignoring the major things in life, I'm being really foolish. Right? It's really being silly and, and stupid. And that's what I think this question uh, is actually uh, being addressed to us as we look at today's parable. Right? Uh, that's one of the reasons why I picked today's passage as a free uh, topic because I think it's a very important once in a while for us to have a reality check on what we are doing in our lives and whether we are focusing on the things which are really, really important. Now today's passage in chapter 12 of the book of Luke begins with a real life situation and this is where the context is really important. Because here as we look at chapter 12, verse 1 to 10 and verse 1 to 11 really, uh, the parable that Jesus gives about the parable of the rich fool is not given in isolation but it's given within the context of what Jesus is doing. And what is he doing as we look at verse 1 to 12? He's preaching, right? He's preaching to a crowd of people. That's why it says there in verse 1, Meanwhile, when a crowd of many thousands had gathered, so that they were trampling on one another, Jesus began to speak first to his disciples. So what was happening here was that Jesus was having like a big almost like a big evangelistic rally, right? There were many thousands of people there and Jesus spoke to his disciples, but obviously the crowd of many thousands also heard what Jesus was speaking. So if you might remember, Billy Graham came to Singapore, I think in the 1970s, and he spoke in the national stadium to many thousands of people. And this is similar to what Jesus would be doing here. He would be speaking to a crowd of many thousands of people. But this wasn't Billy Graham, the great evangelist who was preaching. It was Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who was preaching. Jesus Christ who had displayed powerful signs and wonders to show his identity. Feeding 5,000 with five loaves and two fish, walking on water, healing all the sick and casting out the demons. And here Jesus was preaching a sermon. But it was a sermon which was greater than any sermon that Billy Graham had ever preached in his life. And the heart of the sermon, if you had paid attention during the Bible reading, was really about deep and big issues in life. It was about heaven and hell. It was about life and death. It was about eternal life and eternal condemnation. The big, serious issues. In fact, you can find the heart 
of the sermon in verse 4. Right, in verse 4 of chapter 12, this is the heart of the sermon. It says, I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more, but I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who after your body has been killed has the authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. And in verse 8, I tell you, whoever publicly acknowledges me before the others, the Son of Man will also acknowledge before the angels of God. So the heart of the sermon that Jesus was preaching on had two main points. Fear God and trust Jesus, never disown Jesus. And here, as we come to the parable, the occasion of the parable was in verse 13 that there was a question and answer time. You know, it's a bit like you have the sermon and if you come to the third service at uh, our church, after the sermon, you have question and answer time. So you know, it's a free-ranging question and answer time. And here, during the question and answer time, in verse 13, someone in the crowd asked Jesus a question. But it's not a question on his sermon. And neither is it a question on his identity. But rather, someone asks him a question in verse 13 and says to him, Teacher, Tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Now, I'm not sure whether you catch the irony of it, but here was Jesus preaching a sermon, the Son of God himself preaching a sermon on the most biggest issues, the eternal issues of life and death, heaven and hell. And here was a person asking Jesus to arbitrate on his inheritance. Now, it could have been, that this man felt that uh, his inheritance was unfair, that he didn't get his fair share. Or some commentators actually feel that maybe this man had already got his fair share. But he wanted Jesus to rule on his, his behalf to get an even greater share. So here, in the middle of this great sermon, in the middle of question and answer time, in the middle of this great uh, evangelistic sermon with thousands of people, it comes down to a question of money. All right, money. Here was a man who seemed to be focusing on the minor and missing out on the major. He was focusing on his earthly inheritance instead of his eternal inheritance. And that's why Jesus here is so grumpy, right? Because in verse 14 he says, Man! Right? No, 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 very up. No, like he's literally saying man, right? Man! Who appointed me a judge and an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of his possessions. See, Jesus is really, really upset. You can hear it even in that one sentence that he uses to rebuke the man. Because Jesus had come to seek and save the lost. Jesus had come to preach this gospel. Jesus had come to preach the sermon, and this man, while he was sitting there in the midst of this great sermon before the Son of God, had missed everything that Jesus had said. He had come to Jesus just wishing for him to mediate on his issue on money. Now, I don't know about you, but when I was younger, and uh, maybe your experience today, I remember when I was younger, I had some friends of mine who invited me to Wesley Methodist Church. And they wanted me to become a Christian. 
And uh, with great enthusiasm, they used to you know, invite me, meet me at the bus stop, bring me to church, all in the hope that I would be listening to the sermon. But little did they know that as I was sitting there at Wesley Methodist, listening to pastor, I wasn't really listening at all. I was dreaming about all sorts of other things, you know, about playing tennis, about what, you know, what I was going to eat for lunch, uh, after the sermon, about what we're going to do. But I'm sure you all don't do that sort of stuff, right? Okay. <laughs> But here was this man, and he was dreaming, but he wasn't really dreaming of tennis or lunch or what was happening later, but he was dreaming about money, right? He was focusing on his inheritance, on what he felt that he was missing out on. And Jesus here says that this man's problem is our problem, because if you notice very carefully in the text of the passage, Jesus in verse 14 rebukes the man, right? He says, man, who appointed me a judge and arbiter between you? But then in verse 15, he said to to them. He didn't reply to the man, but he replies plural to the crowd. And he tells the crowd to watch out and to be on guard against all kinds of greed. Because life does not consist of possessions. Now, what does it mean here that life does not consist in the abundance of possessions? And what is the warning that he gives? Well, to explain it's not working properly. To explain this warning, he gives us this parable. And this parable must be read, therefore, in terms of what is happening within the context of this sermon and the warning that Jesus gives. So in verse 16, we Jesus says, he told them this parable, the crowd. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. Then I'll say to myself, You have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool! This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? And this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. Now I suppose that as we read this parable, we are unfamiliar with what's happening here because obviously I don't suppose anybody here has a a storage problem with your grain or your barns, right? But I guess a a similar present day illustration may be someone who lives and is uh, doing very well in life and he's bought a block of flats in Sentosa, right? And uh, you know, he's going to live in uh, the penthouse and rent out the rest and he's going to fly off the very next day by SIA to go on his round-the-world cruise, and he's invited all his friends over for a celebration before he leaves, and he's drinking his his uh, champagne and thinking what a lucky person he is, and then he starts choking, and then <clears throat> and then he croaks, and then he dies. Right now, we might think that uh, this man is a very successful man, but then notice the the really surprising thing because God says that this man is a fool tonight. This man is a fool. I'm not saying that anybody who buys place property in Sentosa is a fool, but I'm saying generally, right, this man here is a fool within this context. But why is he a fool? 
What makes this man so foolish? Is it just because he dies young? Is it because he doesn't get the opportunity to enjoy the retirement and the riches that he's put together? Why is he foolish? Now the first thing is that this man doesn't appear to be an immoral man. He's not a bad man. right? He's not an arms trafficker. He's not a drug dealer. He's not a uh, someone who has ripped off other people. What makes this man a fool? Well, if you look at this passage, it seems like he's foolish at two critical, right? Uh, two fundamental errors appear in his life. The first error is that he seems to have a great focus on himself, but there is no focus on God. There's no focus on God. He lives as if God does not exist. And he is the center of life. You see, if you look very carefully back to the parable, you notice here that he keeps using the personal pronoun. What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. This is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store all my surplus grain. And I will say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years, take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. Now I think that the way that this man speaks about himself is not a coincidence. It is not a coincidence. There are 54 words in this parable, and 80 of them are in the first person. Right? There's a lot of first person words. He is a person who is focused on himself. One-fifth of all the language on the conversation is about me, myself, and my. And there is zero words about God. There is no awareness or there is no place for God in this man's life. He is the center of his universe and God does not have any place in this man's world. And that's why in verse 21, the conclusion that God gives is that this is how it will be with whoever stores things up for themselves, but is not rich toward God. Now, this passage here is not saying that we should, oh, you know, we should give money to God and be rich towards God, and that's the solution to this man's problem. It is much greater than that. When it says there that this is what it will be like for those who stores things up for themselves, but is not rich towards God, it is actually trying to say that the focus, the focus of this man's life is not on God, but rather it is on himself. In the whole parable, he does not thank God for his great wealth. There's no thanksgiving. There is no acknowledgement of God's control over his destiny. There is no offer to serve God. There is no asking God for guidance to what to do with this great wealth that he has. See, I think this is a very important thing for us to look at because this attitude that this man has is not an attitude that is just concerning people outside of church. But we can have this attitude too. We can come to church on Sunday, we can read our Bibles, but, but we are not focused on God. We are not rich towards God. Our whole life is filled with me, myself, Mine, my, and I. Right? So I think that this passage shows us what a foolish way it is to live when we live as if God 
does not exist. Because that's how this man is living. He's living as if the only person that really matters is himself and his pleasure and his desires. The second problem is that this man's focus is solely on earthly things, but he has no contemplation and no preparation for the eternal heavenly things that Jesus had been speaking about. You see, if you look at uh, this man's problem, what is this man's problem? Okay, look, look at the parable again. What problem does he have, or does he think he have, in the parable? He thinks he has a storage problem, right? That's his problem. He has a storage problem, right? Look carefully. Hey, what shall I do? I have no place to store all my grain. That's, that's his problem. He's obsessed with the problem of how to store his grain to enjoy his wealth. And I think that this is a, a reflection of how most people spend their time and their energies and their thoughts in life. And I think it can be a reflection on us. We live life focusing on how to earn money, how to store money, and how to enjoy the money that we've earned and stored. That's this man's issue, isn't it? He spends all his time in the parable thinking about his storage problem and his enjoyment problem. But the problem is, in God's eyes, that is not the main problem of our life. The main problem of our life is not the earning problem, the storage problem, or the enjoyment problem. The main problem, according to God, is the eternal problem. Whether we've prepared ourselves for eternity, that is the main problem that God is concerned with in our life. And that's why God says to this man, in verse 20, You fool! Right? Why is he a fool? This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? See, this man had done a very good job in being prepared for this life. But he wasn't prepared for the life to come. In fact, when you ask yourself the question, what does God really mean? Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? What he literally means is, whoever gets what you have prepared for yourself, it is definitely not you. Because when we die, we will not be able to bring with us the things that we have earned and stored and prepared to enjoy for ourselves. You see, that's what he's saying here. If you die tonight, oops, sorry, if we all die tonight, all the things that you have spent so much of your time and effort preparing and, 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 and accumulating and storing for your enjoyment, where will that go? Can you bring that with you? No, you can't, isn't it? You can't bring your houses, your cars, your stereos, your DVDs, your Blu-rays, your, your whatever, right? They are all gone. They will go on to someone else. In fact, if you wanted to look at the parable even more deeply, uh, there's a subtle message here that we often miss. Because it says there in verse 20, this very night, 
your life will be demanded from you. And if you uh, look at the actual word that's being used here, your life will be demanded from you. It's actually the, the word that is used, um, the same terminology which is used where a banker calls in your loan. Right? It's like, let's say you borrowed money from the bank. The bank demands that loan back from you. But here God is telling this man that the loan that is now due is not money, but the man's very life. What he's saying is that life itself is not for you to own. It's not for you to feel that it is mine and I can do anything with it or whatever I want. But life itself is a loan from God which can be demanded back from God at any time. See, this man's attitude, if you look at the parable, is all about ownership, right? The grain, my life, my enjoyment, all of these the man felt was his very own destiny to control. But God said that your life itself does not belong to you. It is in God's hands. None of it belonged his possession, his life, all these things belonged to himself, but the reality was that it belonged to God himself. And that's why this man was a fool. He was foolish because he focused on the things of earth, which he really didn't own. He spent all his focus and time concentrating on the earthly things, but he was not prepared for the things that really mattered, which was eternal life. And that was reflected in his attitude to his listening of Jesus' sermon. While Jesus was preaching of the very, very important essence of how to prepare for eternal life and heaven and how to avoid hell, this man's mind was distracted and focusing instead on what was minor and unimportant, which was his earthly riches. And that's foolish, right? Because if you focus on preparing for 80 years of life and neglect the eternity, then that's a foolish way of living. Because you're not really focused on what is eternal and permanent and important, and you're focusing on what is minor. And that makes sense now, from the parable to verse 15. It makes sense of what Jesus then says in verse 15. Right? Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. See, why? Why does life not consist of an abundance of possessions? It doesn't consist of an abundance of possessions because life is about a relationship with God and Jesus so that you can have eternal life. That is what true life is about. Life is not about having more and more things on earth, but rather life is about eternal life with God and Jesus for eternity. And that's why greed here, all kinds of greed, is very dangerous. Because it distracts and it takes your focus away from God and Jesus and heaven and focuses instead on the things of this earth. See, what is your focus today? Right, so I said today is a bit like a reality check, right? So, is your focus on God? Is your focus on Jesus? Is your focus on the things of eternity in heaven? 
or is your focus on earthly things? Do you find yourself more and more focused on earthly things to the extent in which really God and heaven and eternal things become unimportant? See, I, I've, I, I'm the situation today. I preach this sermon to myself. Uh, I'm looking for a, a house. I just bought a second-hand car. And I realized that, you know, as you focus on all these things, uh, I have less and less time for God. I'm sure you all experience the same thing. You know, when you're, when you're focusing on all of these earthly things, the things of heaven seem fainter and fainter and further away. But then what Jesus says is that, hey, you need to, oops, you need to wake up, right? Because it's a foolish way of, of living. Because over time, I keep focusing on all these earthly things to the extent where I lose focus on God and heaven and Jesus, then I would be a fool because when I die, when my life is demanded from me, I'm unprepared for heaven. I would have all these possessions, but I would have no heavenly inheritance. Because when I die, can I take my second-hand car with me? No, right? I mean, I don't think there are any Toyota Corollas in heaven. I won't be driving around there, right? Can I take my car or my house with me? You can't. See, in heaven, we won't be focusing on all these things. We won't be thinking about all these things. But on earth, they seem so important to us. See, at the end of the day, what is a successful life? Right? In the world's eyes, this man was a very successful man. Same as the person who might own a block of flats in Sentosa and rents it out and lives a life of ease and eats, drinks and be merry. But if for this man or this woman, they live as if the focus is only on themselves and there is no focus on God and they're not rich towards God. If it matters not to them how they respond to God, and in faith to Jesus, if they have not put any thought or any mind on the preparation of heaven and being right with God, then even though the whole world may say that this man is successful, or this woman is successful, God says, you are a fool. Right? What a fool you are. Because you have prepared only for this life and not the life to come. I think that as we sit here today and we reflect, it is a good question to ask ourselves, what is the focus of our life today? Do I find that I'm focusing my energies, all my thoughts, my hearts, my dreams on myself, on earning, storing, enjoying? Or am I focusing on God and on Jesus? Am I focusing only on the things of this earth? Or have I set my mind on eternity in heaven? Am I living what is a good life in God's eyes? Or in God's eyes, am I a fool? Right? Nobody wants to be a fool, right? I mean, I, I mean I'm, I'm sure when someone says, Oh, you know, you're a fool. No one thinks it's a compliment, right? But what more when God says you are a fool? I mean, that is truly a condemnation. 
So I hope that as we reflect on our lives today in light of what Jesus says, that we will not be fools, that instead we will heed what Jesus says and that we will focus on God and on heaven. Let's go to God in prayer. Dear Father, as we come before you today, let us really immerse ourselves in the reality of that day where Jesus preached a powerful sermon on the greatest issue of life, eternal life, heaven, salvation, the fear of God, faith in your, in your son Jesus. Help us to see that this man was terribly distracted by a focus on earthly things and himself. We pray that we will learn from the rebuke of Jesus, not to be a fool, not to focus only on self, our enjoyment, earning, storing, retiring, enjoying, but rather we would focus on you, you alone. That we will not focus just on earthly things, but on heavenly things. That we will see that Jesus was warning all of us, even ourselves today, to watch out against all kinds of greed, which take the focus away from heaven and places it here on earth. Let us not be distracted, dear Father. Let heaven not be fainter and fainter from us, but to be more and more real every day. Dear Father, help us, for we are weak and we live in a world which is so attractive. But let us listen to your words instead. And to see that the most important thing is our relationship with you and to be right with you through Jesus so that we can have an eternity in heaven. And we pray for all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.